is I would be way less obsessed with my own success and way more committed to leaving a legacy and making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear all of those. And, you know, I think different things, you know, intertwine with different things because I do believe, um, you know, a spirit of excellence and a level of, of personal success can lead to opportunities for impact that are different, um, you know, if you didn't have that. So I, I think so much of it, but but again, I think it comes back to why am I chasing the success? Yeah. Like, what is the ultimate goal? You know, what, what is the ultimate focus of my life? Is it for me or is it to do these things to have impact and have a, you know, a, a further reach than, than I have? Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hello, welcome back to Tough Talks. Conversations on Mental Toughness. I am your host, Chris Doris. And before I introduce our remarkable guest today, our typical one housekeeping item, which is if you're not getting your uh, daily dose mental toughness tips in 30 seconds or less delivered to your email inbox every morning at about 6 a.m., no matter where you are on the planet, every day of the year, if you're not getting my blog posts every Tuesday, and if you're not getting notifications of these new Tough Talks podcast episodes, let's go ahead and, and take care of that, shall we? Uh, quite virtually effortlessly by going to ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S. ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists. Put your name and email, click, and you get the goodies. Now, <clears throat> if you're looking at this, you can see the name of our remarkable guest today. His name is Kurt Warner. Kurt is a former NFL superstar. He played in the NFL for 12 seasons, primarily with the Rams and the Cardinals. He is known as the greatest undrafted NFL player of all time. <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, he's a two-time most valuable player of the league. He's a Super Bowl MVP of Super Bowl 34. And uh, his story is one of the greatest Cinderella stories in NFL history. After he played college football at Northern Iowa, but he sat the bench for three years. And then he kicked ass in one year. Uh, but then he spent – he didn't get drafted. He didn't get drafted. And that was a bummer for him. Oh, you got to watch his movie. American Underdog. <clears throat> they made a move about this guy. Said he was signed by the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers for like a minute. They released him before the season even started. And then he worked in the damn grocery store. He worked the, uh, he, he was, he didn't have, you know, he met his now wife, Brenda, fell in love. She was in the Marines <clears throat> and she was in. Then her son had a tragic accident and she, um, you know, discharged from the Marines and she was going to nursing school and the two of them were just trying to, you know, make ends meet. <clears throat> and, um, 
He's working the graveyard shift over the grocery store, stocking shelves. And uh, and then he ends up playing, but he doesn't lose his faith, right? He ends up. Um, that's right around when. No, that is when the Arena Football League started, and the guy who started it, the guy who started it, is named Jim Foster. He came and found Kurt and said, yeah, I want you to come play on our arena team. And he said, all right, well, at least it's football, so let's go to that. And he did that for a few years, and he kicked ass. <clears throat> then the Rams said, this guy, who's this guy? And he went to the Rams, <clears throat> to the St. Louis Rams, and then he got his shot, man. Uh, their starting quarterback went down, and he ended up having uh, a, a, an epic year. Right, uh, they called the the offense of that team the greatest show on turf. They went to the Super Bowl and they won it, and he won the MVP. And the rest, as they say, is history. And he's now in the NFL Hall of Fame. He's our second NFL Hall of Famer. Mike Haynes was our first uh, NFL Hall of Fame guest here on Tough Talks. And I want to also spend time with Kurt, not just talking about his remarkable story. And the, the movie is just uh, American Underdog, so beautiful. Please watch it. It's so, have tissues. And, um, <clears throat> and then we're going we're gonna to spend some time talking about how he's using his life now because it's really profound, all that he's involved with in terms of giving back you know, and contributing to uh, the betterment of, of humanity. It's really, it's just, it's just, all of it's spectacular. So anyway, without any further ado, he's waiting for us. Let's go find him. Kurt, where you at, man? And what do you know? There he is, MVP of Super Bowl 30 for Mr. Kurt Warner. What's up, man? Not much, man. Life is, uh, life is busy. Life is good. I'm at that stage where I get to, uh, chase my kids around and uh, and watch them shine a little bit. So I, I have no complaints. I'm semi-retired, a lot of busy stuff to do and things that I love doing, but uh, but life is really good right now. Well, I'd love to hear that, and I can't wait to hear. We're going to wrap up with all of that. I wanna, we're going to talk quite a bit about uh, you know, what you're up to nowadays because you are up to a lot. <clears throat> and um, I wanted to share with the audience as we get started here, something that you said to me in an email exchange that I thought was very profound. And, you know, in preparation for these interviews, I'm always asking the guests, like, what is, what's the most important thing in your world these days that you want people to know about yeah. in terms of what you're up to and what's going on for you? And your response was amazing. You said, for me, it's just living a life of excellence, impacting and loving people. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And that was, so when I read that, I thought, man, I'd love this guy even more now. <laughs> well, the exclamation point is, is how I always text. So uh, I feel like everything we say should have some emphasis on it. But, um, you know, but, but I just feel like that's to me, you know, as I've gone through life and as I've evolved and as I've, been in so many different places of what was the, the, the main thing at different times in my life. Um, I've come to realize, you know, whether it be, you know, my, my faith leading me there or whether it just be, you know, chasing after my dreams that, you know, first thing that, that I always want to do is I, I want to live a life of excellence. I, I want people to see me. I want people to see what I do and, and say, this guy doesn't do anything halfway. This guy doesn't do anything that's just good enough. And so I may not do a lot of things. You know, I may not have a lot of 
hobbies or, or a lot of things I get involved with, but the things I get involved with, I want to be really, really good. I want it to be done in an excellent way because I think that that represents who I want to be about, um, you know, what I want people to remember about me. And then, you know, as I said, maybe most importantly, who I represent the most, um, you know, in my faith. And then I, I think the other aspects of it is just that, you know, what is your legacy at the end of the day? Uh, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, if all people remember you for throwing touchdown passes and, and playing in Super Bowls, I, I've missed it. Uh, you know, I, I've missed the mark. And so I, I want to leave an impact on people. And, you know, it doesn't have to be this profound, huge impact that everybody in the world, you know, knows you know, what I did or how I, you know, influenced the community or whatever. To me, it's just as much about, you know, every relationship. You know, the people I'm around, the people that I get a chance to interact with, the people that I work with, you know, my family, to just know that, you know, I've impacted them in a positive way uh, in whatever relationship it is that we have. Um, and I think a huge part of that is just loving people. I think we live in a world where there are so many differences between so many of us. And it's so easy to get hung up with those differences or, or, or tell somebody they should be more like us or you know, because we don't understand them, you know, we keep everybody at arm's length. And to me, it's really just, you know, I think God's called us to, to love people. And, um, you know, there's one mission Jesus had on earth that was just to love people. And I think too often we get caught up with all the other stuff and we lose sight of just, you know, having a relationship and, and loving people. And so, you know, when I take that back to you, that's, that really is, you know, my goal and mission. And I've got, you know, dreams and business things that I'm involved in, professions that I want to be good at. But at the end of the day, at the root of everything that, that I want to be are those things that I mentioned to you. And, um, and that's what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. Amen to that. How, how responsible is Brenda for your faith? Oh, extremely responsible. I mean, I was raised in the church, in the Catholic church. My mom was very steadfast and devout in terms of, you know, went to Catholic school all through high school. We went to church, Every Sunday, you know, that was a priority uh, for her. So, you know, so I grew up in that mold and, and with that background and, and, you know, hearing the stories and, and, and you know, having a religion class and, and all of those things. But it never really became a personal thing for me, you know, and it's something that I've learned as I've got seven kids um, is that so much we want to, you know, take our beliefs and, and our faith and we want to just project it onto our kids and it'd be like, okay. I believe this and, and I took you to church. So you have to believe this. Oh. And what I realized is that it just doesn't work that way, that we've all got to figure out our own direction. We have to all figure out our own path. And, and my mom's path won't be my path and my path won't be my kid's path. Um, and so, you know, when I was going through it, you know, I, I did all the things I was supposed to do, but it never really become personal for me. It had never really become something that I had taken ownership of. And so I was just kind of wallowing through life and, you know, had a faith, but it, it was what it was. Um, and Brenda was, you know, when I got in a relationship with Brenda, uh, she was uh, very committed in her faith in what she believed and that it was about a relationship. And it was about, um, you know, having that connection and making it personal, which is something that I had never really done. And so she really challenged me in that and, and why I believed what I believed and um, you know, with your beliefs, you know, where does it say that in the Bible or how do you interpret that? And, and all of these things that really just challenge me. Mm. And, 
that was me for the first time to really dive in and search for the answers, you know, and a big part of it was the challenge that she made to me. Um, but ultimately, it, it helped me to search for the answers for myself and why I was going to believe and why I was going to follow the path that I was going to follow. Um, but it had to be personal and it had to be something that I was convicted about. And so she was, uh, you know, very much in the forefront of challenging me to figure out what my faith was going to be, what I was going to believe and, and how I was going to apply that to my everyday life. And so, you know, so indebted, I get to wake up every day, you know, next to my best friend and uh, obviously a woman that I love and the mother of my children and all of that. But uh, I'm so indebted to her that, um, you know, it was probably the, you know, the, the biggest thing that's ever happened in my life is getting that direction to know what I'm living for. And so I get to wake up. That's a mic drop moment. <clears throat> yeah, can we slow that down? I do this. It's okay. You just drop. So uh, can you repeat that? Knowing? No, no, just knowing what I'm living for. Knowing uh, what knowing, you're living for. Yeah, knowing what the focus of my life is going to be. And not just, you know, in one facet or not just at this stage of my life, but knowing what I'm living for. And so every interaction that I have, every profession that I take part in, every uh, relationship that, you know, that, that I'm working through, um, I know what I'm trying to do in life. I know what I'm trying to do in those relationships and in those situations. Um, and that is what guides me. You know, it's not all the other stuff that we think about too often, the success and the, the trophies and, the, and, you know, the bank accounts and, and, all of that stuff, it, it's about something bigger than that and living in a way um, that represents something bigger than, than myself. And, you know, it was so important for me to figure that out. Um, and now that has been kind of the underlying theme or the one thing that has been woven through my entire life, no matter what I do, you know, no matter, you know, where I'm going, no matter, you know, what type of situation it is, that's the one thing that I'm grounded in. Um, that I believe uh, is a common thread through through my entire life. You know that that's so huge. <clears throat> that's a takeaway right there, everyone. If you don't have an answer to the question, "What am I living for?" or "What is my life purpose?" then create the time to get that answer. Yes. You know, Kerr, when I I think the coolest course that I ever took in my life was in graduate school here at Arizona State in uh, counseling psychology, and it was on death. And it was really interesting. And the most interesting thing was a research study that they did with centenarians. So these are people who are over 100 years old. So they're on death's doorstep, right? And, and like our mortality seems to have an effective way of clearing out bullshit, <laughs> right? So sure. it's like, you know, like, so people who are on death's doorstep don't have any reason to BS. So what they asked these, these older people, what would you do different? Looking back now that you got all this clarity. And you just mentioned there was amazing uniformity of responses. Yeah. And three of the top responses were, I would take more risks. I would slow down and appreciate how magical life is without me even having to do anything, just appreciate. Yeah. Third one is the one you just said, is I would be way less obsessed with my own success and way 